Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. To convince a child to keep walking, try switching roles with them. Let the child play the role of the parent. They'll immediately do what you want them to do. You are raising in your home people that the Bible is very clear about their status. They need to be converted. Not just a conformity of their behavior. They need a transforming encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate priority. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It is a mystery to you. It is a mystery to the practitioner. The Bible solves the mystery. This is Wretched Radio. No doubt if you have ever heard about the issue of self-harm, injurious behavior inflicted by a person upon themselves. Regularly these days, it is manifested in a practice called cutting, where somebody will take a sharp object, open up their veins, and bleed. And you hear about it and you wonder why would somebody do something like that to their own body? And it feels like a total mystery. You perhaps hear the explanation. It's the only thing I can feel. And you feel confused even more. Wait a second. You can't feel anything. So you cut yourself to feel something. And it feels like this entire subject is shrouded in mystery. The practitioner has a similar cloud of confusion. They aren't exactly sure what is going on in their heart and mind that is motivating this behavior, which they know isn't right. They, they, they perceive, well, this isn't in the realm of normal, but it feels necessary. And so it is, whether you are the cutter or the one who is aware of somebody who does Both of you are experiencing a mystery, and the Bible brings clarity. Mark Shaw, he's the founder of the Addiction Connection, delivering a presentation at the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors Conference. This particular lecture, it is on Drive-By Biblical Counseling 3 at Wretched.org, talking about self-injury. We think cutting most of the time. There are some people who injure themselves in other ways. Some will bang their head against the wall because it feels like the right thing to do. And again, you see that or hear about that and you think, I I don't get it. The Bible does. And that is why biblical counseling is so powerful. And you're about to experience that right now, courtesy of Mark Shaw. Talking about self-injurious behavior, the Bible explains what is going on in the heart of the self-injurer, starting with, this is going to surprise you, but the Bible just does this over and over again, the subject of perfection. Perfection. It's a word our culture loves and longs for. In the political world, Colin Powell said, Success is a result of perfection. In the music world, Dave Brubeck said, when you hear Bach or Mozart, you hear perfection. And as biblical counselors, we want to be careful not to perpetuate the cultural lies of perfectionistic thinking for counselees. Instead, we want to promote the gospel, redemption, forgiveness, hope, and grace. The goal of biblical counseling isn't merely to get somebody to stop harming themselves. That is certainly a goal, 
but it's a smaller goal. The grander goal of biblical counseling is to encourage somebody to become more and more like Jesus Christ, motivated by what he has done for them, to love the Savior more, injure themselves less. That's the goal of biblical counseling. It is not to teach perfectionism. Furthermore, the subject of perfectionism is involved in self-injurious behavior. I found most self-injurers are perfectionists at heart. In my recent research, the American Psychological Association, the APA, gave some statistics that estimated that 5% of adults report to have self-harmed, while 17% of adolescents report to have self-harmed. Young people who are bullied, rejected, they report that they feel overwhelmed, are more likely to report self-harm. Anger tends to be a driving force beneath self-harm behaviors. Because they have a desire for perfectionism. Now, please note, this, this isn't every single person. There are many different motivations for this, all of which the Bible reveals. We're starting with the issue of perfectionism, that somebody feels like life has to be perfect, or that I have to be perfect, or that I have to look a certain way, be popular, have this much stuff, achieve these grades. They want to be pleasing to their parents. They want to get onto the cheerleading squad. They want perfection, and they think they should have it, and they can attain it. Well, because it's their own self-assessed standard, right? You can, you can reach your own goals if you don't set them too high. So they set the bar. They say to themselves, it's good to be king. They decide how perfect to make perfect. And they go about the business then of trying to achieve the standards that they've set for themselves. And when they do not attain that level, status, position, grades, accolades, what is the implication of that? They've fallen short of the standard of themselves. They then feel the consequence of sinning against themselves. But then when things fail to be perfect for the self-appointed king, even by their own standards, when circumstances are disappointing, when relationships are emotionally painful, when the self-injurer feels overwhelmed, like after trauma, feels helpless to change a situation like in abuse, that's when a self-injurer seeks to rectify the situation the best way they know how. That's when a self-injurer is really functioning like a priest. What? What does being a priest have to do with self-injurious behavior? Remember, we're talking about the individual who is a perfectionist, writing their own moral code, their own standards, having failed them, they feel the guilt of falling short, and they then go about the business of acting like a priest. Everything we say, think, and do reveals our heart desires, and what we truly assign worth to, what we worship. Then a cutter, which is one type of self-injurer, is taking a sharp instrument, just like a Levitical priest, and using it to draw blood. Not the blood of an animal, but their own blood. And this self-injurer finds temporary relief a momentary pleasure to appease the flesh's desires despite long-term consequences. This isn't all, but this is many who cut themselves shedding their own blood 
almost in a sacrificial rite, acting as a priest to justify themselves for having failed to meet their own standard. This is the Bible penetrating what is going on in the heart of the individual who somehow makes sense of cutting themselves and shedding their own blood. So likening a self-injurer to a king and a priest of the God of self is difficult for me to say since I have counseled many self-injurers who were true sufferers, mm-hmm. having experienced harm at the hand of others. Yet again, this is, that's truthfully what's going on in their hearts. And you know what? They'll tell you that when they're being honest. This is something that needs to be delicately handled. You're dealing with somebody clearly who is hurting, but the biblical counselor gets into their heart to draw up what is happening in there. And in many instances, you're seeing bad religion being practiced, a belief that somehow by shedding my own blood, I make my pain, I make my guilt, I make my own shame go away. They're acting like a priest. In the Old Testament, God's people were taught that they were not perfect. They needed to offer a blood sacrifice, but this old system could not provide for the remission of sins by shedding the blood of bulls and goats. Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Priests in the Old Testament were meant to build bridges between God and men to link them together by restoring fellowship, which was broken because of mankind's sin. In our text in Hebrews 7, the Levitical priesthood, they obeyed the Mosaic law, kept the priests very busy. And I appreciate the word picture John MacArthur gives of a Levitical priest having to offer sacrifices over and over and over and bathing themselves in blood. In a similar manner, a self-injurer who cuts is stuck in the same pattern of drawing blood to right the wrongs they perceive, they feel, and they experience. What is happening in the heart of the self-cutter often is revealed when the Bible says we can make our own attempts at forgiving our own sins by shedding our own blood. And that is where the biblical counselor enters in with the good news of the gospel. For as witness of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. I've already alluded to it, but this portion of our text reminds us of what we do as biblical counselors. We share the better hope of the gospel so that our counselees will personally draw near to the one true God of the Bible. We want them to know God. And the Mosaic law cannot do that. As our text just said, the law made nothing perfect. That's why as biblical counselors, we can't just say, don't sin. Or that sin without sharing the hope of the gospel too. And you better believe that the self-injurer needs to know this better hope found only in the high priesthood of Jesus Christ because they're not hearing it in our culture. And they do not need to shed their own blood because blood has already been shed for them. We will continue lifting the mystery of cutting next on Wretched Radio.
Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel Partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Attributes of God. Do you think God explodes with anger when you sin? Remember the word impassibility. It means that God is without passion. His affections, such as wrath, anger, and love, are always foreknown, voluntary, and controlled. And they are always consistent with God's unchanging nature. And His wrath has been settled on the cross. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Perhaps you know one. Perhaps you are one. Perhaps the Bible needs to dispel lies that you're believing 
and to clear away the clouds of confusion, the mystery that is self-injurious behavior. This is Wretched Radio. Mark Shaw, founder of The Addiction Connection, who has counseled many cutters, self-injurers in different forms, uses the Bible to get to the heart of the issue, an issue that seems rather confusing. And I think one of the reasons that it is confusing is because we are letting the world define the terms and inform how we frame the issue. We just heard Mark Shaw help the self-injurer understand that very likely what is happening in their own heart is a need for the shedding of their own blood for the forgiveness of the sins that they've committed against themselves. And so they're acting as a priest They are acting as one who sheds blood on behalf of themselves. Now, how does that help somebody to stop doing that? It is by pointing them to the cross of Christ. He shed his blood for you. You don't need to do that. So whatever guilt, whatever shame you're feeling, he took it all. Whatever the issue is, Jesus took it. All of it. And you don't have to do that to yourself because the Lord bruised his son on your behalf. Oh, how illuminating the Bible is. And when we let it speak without letting secular terminology creep its way into the conversation, we can have even more clarity. And here's how our culture views self-injury today. And I consider this really to be surface level information, but Just some things that can be useful for you to know. First, the definition of self-injury is a deliberate injuring of oneself physically in a way that's not life-threatening or with suicidal intent. Clinically, it is called NSSI or non-suicidal self-injury. One self-harmer said cutting is a life preserver to not commit suicide. So the motivation is to stay alive, uh, the opposite of suicide. The world puts a clinical name on the issue. That leads us to think, well, then maybe there's a clinical solution. Perhaps there's medicine for it. Perhaps a doctor can prescribe something to make the malady go away. Problem, the Bible describes things differently than the world. The secular view of self-injury is contradictory in that it is widely considered to be a mental illness, even though... Currently, there is not a diagnosis in the most recent version of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5. But I predict that when they find a medication that they can market claiming to help this problem, NSSI will appear in the next version of the DSM. Most likely, you reject much of that, but it gets in, doesn't it? We hear the talk, we see the reports, we hear stories, perhaps, of successes, and we think, okay, then then it's a an NSSI is, is what the person is dealing with. And that is the world's way of describing what the issue is. And the secular world is... Leading us, therefore, to not think in biblical categories, which then ultimately provide biblical hope. One website, they rebuke people for using the label alcoholic because it is demeaning and stigmatizing according to them. Now, how how ironic is that? 
that the camp who made up the unbiblical term alcoholic in the 1930s to categorize alcoholism differently and in a special group is wanting to destigmatize the problem they stigmatize in the first place. Well, I've got a better plan, and it's a biblical plan for destigmatization. Let's call alcoholism by its original biblical term drunkenness and call alcoholics drunkards because that levels the playing field. That sounds mean. No, that sounds biblical. We clinicalize names that, 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 that have some smack to them, especially biblically. The Bible doesn't say that somebody has a chemical issue with chemicals. They don't describe people as having an NSSI. They don't say you're an alcoholic. They say you're a drunkard. You're a wine-bibber. You have no self-control. And while that sounds rather aggressive in our 21st century ears, it is a kindness. Why? Because the Bible helps drunkards. The Bible forgives drunkards. The Bible promises power to the one who is tempted by a bottle of alcohol or pills. The gospel can bring clarity to an issue if we let the Bible define the terms for us. And we have done a great disservice by not letting the Bible speak to the issue of alcoholism by calling it what it is. Because when we are able to say, this is what the Bible calls it, it puts it not into a clinical category, but into a sin column. Now the Bible deals with sin. The Bible does not deal with clinical issues. The Bible deals with sin problems. And alcohol is a sin problem when you're consuming too much of it too often. Ditto self-injury. Ditto the desire to shed one's own blood for the forgiveness of their own sins against themselves. If we, instead of letting the DSM-5 define what the issue of self-injurious behavior is, and we let the Bible speak to it, then we can have a Bible solution. And the Bible does just that. Everyone's a worshiper. Everyone's tempted with wanting to worship God in their own way. You and I worship God in the ways we want to worship him too. And the person who self-harms is no different than we are. They are simply worshiping in their own way. Mm. It's a worship disorder. Well, then, that's different than calling it an NSSI. Do you see why secular counseling just never even gets close? <laughs> just, it, it just doesn't get to the heart of the issue, which is, of course, the issue of the heart. It never talks about the, well, uh, hide the bottles. Do you have a friend you can call? Or could you put a rubber band around your wrist and snap it when you're tempted? How's about if we try some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy that works for you? It doesn't even come close to dealing with the issue of worship. How is it that you and I worship every single second of every single day? Because we are. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is about. That our minds should be transformed so that we behave in a certain way, which are, is our reasonable act of worship. Your life is a worship service 24-7. Every time we make a decision, we are either choosing to worship God or we are choosing to worship something else. It's usually ourselves. It's usually our flesh. Or we could be serving an idol. We could be serving the idol of perfectionism. We could be serving the idol of, I want life to be exactly like this. And if I can't have it, I feel horrible. When, when a 
reasonable want becomes a desperate need. It becomes an idol in one's heart. And that is a worship issue. And so when we let the Bible speak to self-injury by saying, friend, it's a sin. Thou shalt not murder. You shouldn't hurt yourself. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that to your own body. It's a sin. And you don't need to shed your own blood for forgiveness. Jesus shed it for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his atoning work. And realize how good he was to save you so that you, therefore, out of gratitude, don't desire to sin by hurting yourself again. Furthermore, when you're tempted, this is, this is what you're confronted with. Am I going to worship my body, my ideals, my idol, my scenarios? Am I going to practice my own religious services and worship self? Or am I going to worship the Lord and choose better and choose self-control and, and, and choose to not harm myself? But to, but to realize that Jesus was harmed for me, you can choose. You can choose every single time. And this, by the way, isn't just self-injury. This is everything. This is alcohol. This is pornography. This is anger. This is gossip. This is you fill in the blank with the sin. I'm either going to choose to worship the devil or I'm going to worship the Lord. And that distinction, that biblical clarification can help somebody to have the power to understand this is what I'm really doing. Why would I want to worship that which is lesser? I want to worship the greater. I don't want to hurt me. I want to love the Lord because he was hurt for me. That is how the Bible helps bring clarity to a subject that is so confusing to the person who watches it and to the person who actually performs self-injurious behavior. It puts it in biblical categories so that we can have biblical clarity, so that we can have biblical conviction and biblical forgiveness. Biblical hope and biblical strength. Oh, how the Bible brings clarity to confusion. Seven principles to help the self-injurer next on Wretched Radio. This is Ratchet Radio, I'm Jimmy Hicks. Being touted as a victory for free speech, Pamela Ricard has settled her lawsuit against her former employer, Fort Riley Middle School in Kansas City. If you remember, Ricard was suspended and reprimanded by the school because she addressed a student by their legal and enrolled name, and school officials then forced Ricard to conceal the student's transition from the student's parents. So essentially, she was told not to tell the truth and was punished when she did. Seeing the writing on the wall, the school has agreed to fork over $95,000 for damages and legal fees. Now, someone or some place recently analyzed 12 studies and have determined from their analysis of these 12 studies that trigger warnings do not actually help anyone. 12 studies were conducted on this, and then someone or some place took the time to analyze those 12 studies to determine something that doesn't make one difference in one person's life. What a waste of probably taxpayer money. So, I wonder if the people who spend so much time and money telling the world that they're not diverse or inclusive enough even understand what those words are supposed to mean. When you are not with where majority of Americans are, 
That is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking. That's the president's press secretary saying, if you don't think the same way we tell you to think, then you're an extremist. <laughs> Communist much? Provo, Utah doesn't appear to be as conservative as it once was. A back-to-school drag extravaganza is being promoted as family-friendly and for all ages. Performing for the kids will be Anna Lee Cage. Get your tickets now. Make sure your kids are front and center for the drag extravaganza. Or don't, please. Please don't. Project Veritas is back at it again. They recently released a video of an assistant principal caught on tape admitting that he will not hire Catholics or most religious people because they're more conservative. You know, it used to be in this country that uh, being a convicted felon or lying on your resume or having bad references would keep you from being hired and getting a job. But now, today, having morals, thinking unborn babies should not be slaughtered, Knowing children shouldn't be allowed to mutilate their bodies. Those are the things that make you undesirable these days. And a review of America's top medical schools have found that 72% of the top 50 schools admit to asking probing questions that elicit responses from applicants about their views on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So basically, the majority of America's top medical schools have turned to woke politics to make sure that they're only training up future woke doctors. That doesn't seem very diverse or equitable or inclusive to me. But in fairness, it could just be because I'm not more smarter than all of these med school folks. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 405 AD. After 23 years of work, translating from Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, Jerome completes the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible that becomes the standard for the next 1,000 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Perhaps to your shock, your horror, you discover a loved one is cutting. This is Wretched Radio. Mark Shaw speaking at the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors Conference, a lecture that you can hear in totality on Drive-By Biblical Counseling 3, available now at wretched.org, dealing with issues of depression, anxiety, suicide, and self-injury. Mark Shaw is leading us through a biblical understanding, putting the Bible on top of an emotional issue to bring about biblical clarity, to understand what the issue is and what it isn't. The world can't touch what the Bible pinpoints. And we need to bring the Bible to a very confusing situation. Somebody who feels good by inflicting pain on themselves. It's counterintuitive. Therefore, it feels mysterious. Mark Shaw, by using biblical language, no, it's a worship issue. It's a sin issue. It's a perfectionism issue. It is a priestly issue. It's a shedding of blood issue. It's a forgiveness of sins issue. Suddenly, we start to receive clarity. Okay, it's confusing because we don't use the right language to identify what it is. We don't use the right categories. We let the world define them. We need to let the Bible speak. Mark Shaw is going to present seven principles to guide you through guiding somebody who has admitted to you, I've been hurting myself. 
First, self-injurers are experiencing normal human emotions. It's normal to lament. Remember, there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations, yeah. right? This is a normal thing that they're experiencing. They're grieving ritualistically, but not grieving in a way that God intended. God commanded his people to be holy or set apart in their grief for the dead, according to Leviticus 19, 28. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. Mm. I am the Lord. Mm. So as an act of worship, Christians are to grieve, but not like unbelievers who have no hope. The self-injury is feeling deep loss, very similar to the feeling of losing a loved one. It is grief often mixed with anger. And the response is normal. It's wrong, but it's normal. And we see it prohibited in Leviticus. This is what unbelievers would do. Feeling such a sense of loss and grief and hopelessness, they would hurt themselves they would cut themselves, shed their own blood as a way of expressing lament. And God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Lament rightly. Lament with one another. Lament with an understanding of God's sovereignty. Lament with an understanding of hope. Lament with an understanding of God's love for you. Lament indeed, but it must be done biblically. The self-injurer is responding to something hard. This, this perhaps helps us to not put self-injury into a column of crazy like the world does. Oh, that's mental illness. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's a sinful response to something painful. And humans are supposed to respond to painful things. We're just supposed to do it rightly. So when the biblical counselor identifies this individual is experiencing something that is normal, grief, a lament, then the biblical counselor can encourage them to repent of the way that they are expressing their lamentation and then show them how to rightly lament how to do it biblically. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by lamenting with them. So our first presupposition is that this sadness is normal. They are not mentally ill. They're not diseased and they don't have some theoretical disorder. As biblical counselors encourage weeping with those who weep, encourage biblical lamenting and grieving with hope, hope in Christ enter into their sadness with them. Sadness is not something to be covered up by a pill. None of our emotions are designed to be covered up by pills. They are to be expressed rightly. How hopeful is that? How hopeful is it to say, no, not NSSI, not a clinical lame, and we're not going to call you mentally ill. You're not crazy. You're experiencing human emotions in response to the fall and sin and evil. Now that's, that's right that, you, that you're feeling that way. But we must express it rightly. And you can with a theological understanding of why things happen in this world. How hopeful is that? This reminds me of PTSD, a horrible moniker. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's just say somebody, and this is typically the experience of one who gets slapped with the label PTSD, they've either seen awful things or they've been asked to do things that are just not the way we humans were built. 
Even when it's just in taking the life of another human being, that doesn't mean it's easy. The worst person on death row. You're the one responsible for flipping the switch, mixing the chemicals. It's still uh, participating in that. That's heavy. And somebody who is responding to it with that angst or that grief or that sorrow, or perhaps they're even feeling guilt, rightly or wrongly, they are heavy and weighed down by it. It's not a disorder. It's human. What hope the Bible brings when we let it do its probing work. Principle number one in guiding the self-injurer through their issue. Lament with them because they're lamenting. They're doing it wrongly. They just need to learn how to do it rightly. Principle number two. My second foundational truth is that some self-injurers are true sufferers trying to find meaning from the trauma horrors, and disappointments of this life. Not everybody, but many of them are. We know this because behavior follows beliefs. In other words, their self-harm behaviors reveal their faith or unbelief, which is really lack of faith. And assuming they're willing to change your task then is to provide them with God's word of truth so that their false beliefs are replaced with biblical truth so that they become people who worship in God in spirit and in truth. How helpful is that? They're groping for meaning, getting this figured out. How do I live in this world? They are looking to answer one of the big questions of life. They're just doing it sinfully. Oh, sin! do you have to call it sinfully? Yes, because the Bible calls it sinful. But there's good news for sinful people. Repent of it. Believe rightly. Increase your faith. By trusting in God, by studying his word, look at the power that is available when we use biblical language to define what the world calls a clinical scenario. There's genuine hope in this for somebody who is struggling, and you can show that person hope. My friend, I'm going to lament with you because there are things worth lamenting, and you've experienced those things. But I care about you enough to offer you hope that can only be found when we address the issues rightly and we do some deep soul searching because God promises that he'll help us and he'll bring clarity to the issue if we humble ourselves and let his word do its cutting to, to, to excise the, the cancer that is inside of us that is growing and consuming you. And you will at the end Have hope and you will have victory because God has the power to help you when we understand the issue biblically. Now, here's a question. What if the self-injurer doesn't want to change their beliefs? If the self-injurer is unwilling to change these beliefs, then they will continue to appear to be insane to other people. But it's not insanity. It's unwillingness. Yep. It's rebellion against the one true God who maybe they don't even know the one true God who he really is. And I don't like to say a self-injurer is in rebellion, especially one who is a sufferer from a traumatic abuse situation, let's say. That's right. But they are responding to that suffering in a sinful way. And that's the truth. It's a delicate balance. But truth is good, isn't it? And Jesus was full of grace and truth. Don't we all kind of long for that? Just... Just give it to me straight. Don't don't give me a slant. Don't give me an angle. 
Don't think you know what's, but just, just give it to me straight. And Jesus gives it to us straight. And he calls a spade a spade, and he calls a sin a sin. Principle number three. Third foundational truth to help you as you're counseling, self-harm is a sin. That's pretty obvious. First Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 is familiar. Or do you not know that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, so you are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Mm. And one counseling I had over 10 years ago, self-harm, said to me in the second session, I didn't realize this was sin. Mm. I need to stop doing this. She was convicted, and the Holy Spirit gave her a new motivation to begin living to please God. Sometimes what seems obvious to us isn't obvious to the people we're counseling. You need to state that for them. Don't you love the Bible? (laughs) Isn't this book just never-ending? You and I see things mysteriously that are confusing to us. The Bible sees it with perfect clarity. We will let Mark Shaw continue to help us lose the confusion and understand self-injury biblically next on Wretched Radio. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Quick, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when I say the word partner? I'm only asking because I do genuinely wonder if I've been crystal clear on the significance of our gospel partners. Our gospel partners truly are allies, helping and granting us the privilege in spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. With productions like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and resources like Wretched Worldview, Breaking Bread, Life is Best, The Drive-By Series, and a ton of others, we're reaching millions with the gospel, but it's only possible because of the generosity of our gospel partners. If you're already a Wretched Gospel partner, I humbly thank you for your kindness and support. And if you're not, can I ask you to visit wretched.org donate to get all of the details on becoming a Wretched Gospel partner and then prayerfully consider partnering with us if you can. We are grateful for all you do and humble that God continues using wretches like us to spread his gospel to millions. Wretched.org donate. That's wretched.org donate. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic 
that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the uh, literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. First and Second Kings relate the history of Israel from Solomon through the division of Israel into two kingdoms to the destruction of both kingdoms. Though Israel and Judah and their kings were often unfaithful, God continually calls His people to repentance through His prophets. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The power of biblical counseling. This is Wretched Radio. If you've never been exposed to true, pure biblical counseling, prepare to see its power. Expressed in the issue of self-injurious behavior, Mark Shaw, he is the founder of the Addiction Connection, speaking at the ACBC conference on issues of depression, anxiety, and suicide, He tackled a subject which he has counseled many times, the individual who harms themselves acting like a priest, shedding their own blood for the forgiveness of failing to meet their own perfectionistic standard, or an individual who feels shame, who feels the need, I've got to do something to get over this shame, I've got to shed blood They're acting like a priest, and they need to understand you've already got one. His name is Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. You don't have to because he did. And we can speak to the individual who is struggling and confused and trying to understand themselves because they are self-deceived. We all do it all the time. While the world calls it a disorder or a mental illness, the Bible says, nope. There are some truths that will bring clarity, starting with this is not mental illness when somebody wants to cut themselves. If you have a child who is doing this, your child is not nuts. Your child is struggling. Your child is sinning. That's good news for the Christian. Anytime we hear about sin, we can go, there's hope. I don't know what the sin is, but there's hope for it because the Bible says There is power to those who are in Christ to overcome sin. We do grow in sanctification when we label the issue rightly. And if you are an individual who has or perhaps does hurt themselves, you're not crazy. You're you're just a sinner, (laughs) just like the rest of us. You're lamenting. You're just doing it wrongly. You're worshiping just not rightly. And perhaps you're striving, trying to figure things out, get things in order. You don't have to, my friend. The Lord does. And his word reveals that order. And then we simply just need to increasingly get in alignment with it. He'll fix you. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll change your thinking. He'll help you to repent. He'll help you to love him more and sin less. Another truth that guides us as we go about the business of dealing with what appears to be a mysterious issue when we let the world define the terms, the self-injurer actually has, well, they've got a purpose. 
in self-injury. They are using it for something. My fourth foundational truth is that the self-injury uses the behaviors of self-harm as a tool. What tool will I use to create my best self? Will it be cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, cutting myself, gambling, a new car, a new boyfriend, money? All of those are tools. Mm. They're just tools that the idolaters use to create their ver- their very best version of the God of self. And they spend a lot of time on that. And I don't have time to read it, but Isaiah 44, 9 and t- through 20, verses 12 and 13, really focus in on the tools that the idolater is going to use to create their idol. The self-injurer is just using the wrong tools to fashion the wrong God, to accomplish the wrong end. That's all. That's all. Now, is it that simple? Of course not. Human emotions are tricky things. They're deep things. They're profound things. But biblical categories, biblical understandings bring about biblical hope. Truth number five. My fifth foundational truth to guide your thinking is that the self-injury is indeed crying out for attention. It is often but not always a cry for help and for validation as a human being seeking self-worth. One of the most famous self-injurers of all time was a so-called perfect person, a real-life princess. In a 1995 BBC interview on television, Princess Diana said, you have so much pain inside yourself. You try and hurt yourself on the outside because you need help. This beloved princess, who some deemed as nearly perfect, was cutting her arms and legs. The blood she shed was a bright red stream, as secularists call it now. If you know somebody who's hurting themselves and they say they don't want to talk about it, they're lying. They want help. Your goal as a loved one is to enter in. Takes time, perhaps. Scary. Don't don't beat down the door. Keep tapping. Keep knocking until they open up because they are using self-injury as a cry for attention. Because they are hurting and lamenting wrongly. Do we ever see this concept that Mark Shaw is outlining for us in the Bible? Yeah. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. What story is that? That would be your First Kings 18. The priests of Baal, they didn't get what they wanted. They were embarrassed. They were ashamed. So what did they do? They went about the business of expressing their lament to get their God's attention by... And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. Hmm. No one answered. No one paid attention. And just like the prophets of Baal, many times the self-injurers crying out for attention, not just the attention of mankind, although that's sometimes the case, but for the attention of God. Don't forget that, counselor. Principle, truth, number six. A sixth foundational truth is that the self-injurer believes their problems are external and their solutions are internal, but the opposite is really true. In a revealing interview, Princess Diana stated her theories of what caused her bulimia and self-harm, and I quote, the cause was the situation where my husband and I had to keep everything together because we didn't want to disappoint the public. And yet, obviously, there was a lot of anxiety going on within our four walls. Well, notice the anxiety wasn't in her heart. Mm -hmm. It was within her four walls. It was the situation 
It was the externalities. Her, her marriage was stressful. The anxiety of keeping up a perfect appearance to other people. Perfectionism. She was motivated to live for herself. And at that time, she wasn't trusting in, in Jesus Christ. So that's heartbreaking. The Bible speaks a different word. Our problems are not external. Yeah, they're problems, but that's not what's causing us to sin. It's our hearts that cause us to sin. Truth number seven. A seventh and final foundational truth is that the self-injurer is self-loathing, but with incorrect motivations. Let me explain. A female self-injurer said this. I've hated everything about me from my looks to my unstable personal relationships. I feel hopeless and worthless as if I have no one to turn to. I'm angry, so I punish myself. She said she hates her looks, which she cannot fully control, and the feelings these externalities provoke. It's counterintuitive, but true that the Bible teaches us to self-loathe our sins. Mm -hmm. See how the Bible rightly directs us. Furthermore, we need to remember a component of self-loathing. I'm not happy about this scenario, my body parts, the way that I look, what I weigh, etc. There's also pride mingled in because we think that we should have those things. We think perhaps we do deserve those things. The Bible helps pride-filled people. The Bible helps self-loathers. The Bible offers hope and power. Uh, once we loathe our sin, uh, then the Bible teaches us to love our Savior. Loathe your sin and love your Savior. We do have value. We do have purpose. We have meaning. We have great worth because we're made in God's image and called to walk in the works he prepared beforehand. We are image bearers of the Lord whose identity is in Christ alone. How hopeful is that when we let the Bible do the talking and when we let the Bible do the examining, remembering seven biblical truths will help you to help someone who is hurting. So to review our seven foundational truths, sadness is normal. This is not mental illness. Amen. Behaviors follow beliefs. Self-harm is a faith statement. Third, self-harm is a sin. Fourth, self-harm behaviors are tools used by the sinner to fashion their idol of self. And number five, self-injures are crying out for attention. They need help and they need your help to draw near to the one true God. Number six, self-injures believe their problem is external while their solution is internal, but the opposite is true. Self-injures are self-loathing, but not their sin, their circumstances. And that's really the love of self. And the Bible enters in, diagnoses, prognoses, gives power, gives strength, gives a body of believers to support you. If you are struggling with the issue of self-injury, would encourage you to seek a biblical counselor. If you know somebody who is injuring themselves, become a biblical counselor and you can walk alongside of those who are simply worshiping wrongly. Man, how hopeful is that? And if you do struggle with an emotional issue, I would like to encourage you also, if you are willing, we could use your help. We are creating a new biblical counseling TV show. We want to show the power of biblical counseling in action, and we'd like you to be in it. Would you consider that? Visit wretched.org slash casting. We are casting for our new biblical counseling show. And if you're willing to help others by being a bit vulnerable, we would love to hear from you. Wretched.org slash casting. Until tomorrow, 
go serve your king.